Thanks for joining me for episode one of Station to Station. I'm Joe Pavia. I have in my hands right now the July 21st to August 4th, 1983 edition of Rolling Stone magazine. On the cover was Princess Leia herself, actress Carrie Fisher. Along with her was an Ewok, Darth Vader, and some other scary-looking Star Wars dude who's holding a beach ball. A Return of the Jedi was the top movie that summer, and George Lucas gave the exclusive interview to Peter Scanlon of Rolling Stone. And Lucas states in the interview he's taking two years off. And the magazine quotes him saying, My family should be first and the movie second. I've put up with Star Wars taking over, pushing itself into first position for too long. Carrie Fisher was asked if being a second-generation celebrity, was she used to the media attention? I don't like it, she responds. I saw what the media did to my parents, especially my father. Of course, her parents were Eddie Fisher and Debbie Reynolds. And there are a lot of cigarette ads in this magazine, something you don't see much of anymore. Uh, it's the one Rolling Stone I kept from the very first subscription I bought with the hard-earned money I made at my part-time job. And it was the first of about three or four times that I've actually subscribed to Rolling Stone. And by the time I started receiving my subscription, it had evolved into something different from its first publication in the late 1960s. It had morphed from being just about music to being an entertainment magazine. Hunter S. Thompson was still writing for the magazine in this 83 edition. He penned an article called A Dog Took My Place about time he spent in Palm Beach. It was way over my level of comprehension at the time, over 30 years ago, why I enjoyed reading it 30 years later. Then along comes author Robert Draper, who writes a book about the early days of the magazine and its founder, Jan Wenner. As a guy who read the magazine, I was excited to read the book, and it was a good read. Instantly, though, you notice it's not a book that sings the praises of its founder. Here's my interview with the author of the book, Rolling Stone Magazine, The Uncensored History, Robert Draper. Robert, what's kept Rolling Stone going for the past uh, 23 years? Well, more than anything else, it's creator of uh, Jan Winner, who began the magazine in 1967, as a 21-year-old Berkeley dropout with essentially nothing on his mind other than to found a publication that would publish stuff of his that no one else would publish and it would give him an opportunity to meet John Lennon and other uh, rock and roll heroes that he so revered. Uh, Jan's interests have changed over the years and, and it is in large part that evolution that has kept the magazine going, that plus Jan's business savvy. Uh, he's uh, a remarkable and brilliant individual who struck on an indisputably brilliant idea, which was to start a rock and roll magazine, something that really didn't exist in 1967. These days, you can pick up a copy of any magazine, any newspaper, and see all sorts of coverage of rock and roll uh, stars, the talking heads, U2, uh, Madonna, uh, Sinead O'Connor. But uh, back then in 1967, it was a fairly revolutionary idea uh, to uh, cover rock and roll rather than to deify it as the underground papers did or to ignore it completely as the establishment press did. Because Rolling Stone established that kind of audience, an audience that would come to Rolling Stone to look for rock and roll, it's become a success. I guess it's changed over the last 23 years because now it's, uh, you'd say it, it's more of an entertainment magazine. Yeah, it is. It's a, it, you look at uh, the cover of Rolling Stone, which was once so, uh, so great an icon that uh, a band actually wrote a top 40 tune about it, and you don't see rock and roll heroes as much as you see movie stars and the types of people that you're likely to see in, in weekly tabloid magazines. Uh, that's because Rolling Stone has by and large changed its readership, its format, become a great deal more mainstream, a lot glossier, slicker, safer, and it panders not uh, anymore to uh, a, uh, a very politically conscious 
uh, generation, but rather to a fickle and, and young new generation, uh, a, a, a new stand reader by and large. And as a result of that, the format of the shape and the editorial content of the magazine have, as you say, completely changed. Robert, you write in your book that John, John Landau, who now manages uh, Bruce Springsteen, who was also a writer with Rolling Stone in the early days, wrote of Eric Clapton's guitar playing as not unique, which caused Clapton to want to leave Cream. Now, does the magazine still have that much influence on musicians today? Not really. It, it is true that any budding musician would love to see his or her name in Rolling Stone, would love to still be on the cover of Rolling Stone magazine. But the truth of the matter is that the market has changed a great deal over the last 23 years, and that Rolling Stone, once the tastemaker, is now sort of a taste tracker. Uh, MTV clearly commands a great deal more influence, and I think if you asked almost any rock and roll band, which would you rather be, uh, on the cover of Rolling Stone or in heavy rotation on MTV, they would select the latter. You paint the picture in the 1960s of Jan Wenner as an outcast, uh, a motivator, determined to produce this, this uh, successful magazine, and a guy who started to slack off while Rolling Stone started doing well. Uh, what does Jan Wenner have to say about your book? Well, <laughs> I've not actually spoken with Jan since the book came out. Uh, it, it is telling, perhaps, that his attorneys have spoken with our attorneys. Uh, he is uh, obviously not satisfied with the book, or, or, or perhaps it's... Uh, it's uh, more accurate to say that he's uh, upset with the book. Jan is, is uh, the type of individual who, uh, he, he cooperated with the book to, to a great extent, sat for a number of interviews and uh, helped provide information, helped open the doors for a number of interviews, but had felt that if he did this, that uh, what, I, what he would get in return would be not just favorable treatment in this book, but a biography that would sort of begin and end with the notion that Jan Winter and his magazine are a great American success story. Uh, that's partly true, but there's more to the story than that, because as you were suggesting earlier, the magazine has undergone a number of changes, some of which sort of dovetail with the changes of, of uh, the generation that it once served, but uh, changes also that were crass and regrettable, that were motivated not by desperation, but rather by greed. Uh, these were the kinds of things that uh, I think are the truth, that Jan Winter nonetheless didn't want to read, and uh, to that degree, uh, uh, he's not pleased by the book. Rolling Stone started in 1967, which uh, the Summer of Love, Woodstock, Altamont, Nixon, the Beatles breakup, uh, and John Lennon's nude photo on the cover of the Rolling Stone. I was thinking as I was reading the book, would Rolling Stone have survived if it started, say, three to five years later? Because it seemed like all those things were happening and that the writers had something to write about. No, I, I think that's a very astute point. It, it would not have survived. It, it filled a void in 1967 at precisely a moment when that void was, was very clear to Jan Winter and to the music industry. People then were acknowledging rock and roll music as a remarkable phenomenon. By 1970, 1971, uh, this magazine that had begun in San Francisco uh, was, was uh, a, a, an obvious success yet was headquartered in a city that no longer housed a, remark a remarkable rock and roll scene. Had Rolling Stone begun in 1970 or 1971, it would have begun in a city that uh, basically was culturally dead. And so uh, uh, while it was perhaps astute for Jan to seize the moment in 1967, luck was on his side as well. That was author Robert Draper. We were discussing his early 90s book, Rolling Stone Magazine, The Uncensored History. Uh, Draper has written several other books since then. He would uh, later write a book about the presidency of George W. Bush, which received good reviews, and another about the House of Representatives. Uh, that interview originally appeared on the show DC Digest 
on DC 103.5 Radio in Orangeville. That's today's show. Check out my latest blogs and photos I've posted to the site and leave a reply if you want. Take it easy.